Today's episode of White Sox Business is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips, T-I-P-S. Perform on the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. In a world where there's absolutely nothing going on, two men get together twice a week while a third listens in on their conversation from hundreds of miles away. I'm one of those men, Tom Fernelli. And the other one that matters is the Athletics White Sox reporter, James Vegan. Together, we form White Sox Business, a White Sox podcast that is struggling to stay sane and was really struggling to come up with topics to talk about for today's episode this morning. James... Do you have anything to talk about that we can use as filler for a few minutes that isn't about your virtual son's FIFA career? Because we'll be using that for filler again later in the show. Uh, I don't know. I've been working on, I've been talking to minor league announcers about Luis Robert. Apparently he hit lots of balls very far. Uh, and it was very impressive. And I've been working on a project about the, what's the greatest trade in White Sox history. I know what it is. Mostly focusing on specific trade. I don't know if that's something you want to debate at some point. We probably um, will. Because... Maybe with some knife stabbing action. I finally filed my Giolito epic. So ask away about what his parents think. How many there. words are in it? Uh, what I submitted had 5,000. 5,000. How many do you think will still be in it by the time it's published? Let's say 4,300. I don't know. They wow, don't so... like, cut me with a machete that... Hard. I mean, the Co- the Copec one two years ago was like seven thousand, and it was it definitely needed to be shorter. So, in your own estimation, fourteen percent of the words you write are shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would put it higher, but I just don't think you can cut it. Like at some point, there's some amount of shit that you just have to like consume. It, it's like a you know you can never perfectly devein a shrimp, right? Uh, I. I- <laughs> I was, I'll take your word for it. I, was, I don't I was, know. I was peeling shrimp last night, and you know they didn't. They didn't get every. Even though it was deveined, it was. Uh, it wasn't. Wasn't perfect. Now, do you mean like getting the poop out? Yeah, that little like black line. That's a. Uh, Are you afraid of eating shrimp poop? Not entirely. I'm afraid of what my wife would react if I had given her shrimp shit to eat. I feel like it'd probably be negative. I mean, if you think about it. I can't remember the number, but I'm, I mean, I'm on sh- cue, she popped her head in, so uh, and she's supposed to be working in the next room. So I, I would think that, yeah, it would be a bad time if I had given her shrimp feces to to consume. So, I mean, you, yeah. what do you think? Just like on an annual basis, the amount of feces of any species that it is that we consume. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't answer that because I'm too distracted by your species and feces rhymes that. <laughs> Eat my ass. I'm, I'm dropping a SoundCloud it's, it's album. Like, it's like Harris and Bergeron, where my thoughts are scrambled by the loud, the loud, the loudness of your rhymes. <laughs> well, you know, I try to, I try to keep my burgeoning rap career under, you know, just, just keep it below the radar. I, I want to just come out once this coronavirus thing is done and just, you know, really set the world on fire with my, my, my hot fire. Your raps, 
my raps, my Yo MTV raps. All right. So you think that's enough filler? That was almost four minutes. I mean, because seriously, dude, I I sat down. I woke up this morning and I was like, all right, we got a show to play here. And I just I was there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, have you been watching any of the 05 games on uh, on NBC Sports Chicago? Uh, not as much. I was watching them a lot the first few days. Now I still will watch them if I'm working or writing something and they're on. But I haven't done it as much lately. I have started because NFL Red Zone stole my idea because I tweeted when this thing first started that NFL's Red Zone channel should literally just like replay old weak NFL Red Zones. <laughs> Because I would probably watch it. And it turns out I wasn't lying because they have started replaying the 2019 season where like on a on Monday they showed week one. Yesterday was week two. Today they're showing week three. And I have had I have watched it for a little bit. Well, you know, how sad things are right now. Baseball related. I was I was I was impressed by just watching um, Orlando Hernandez's whip 86 into the zone (laughs) over the heart of the plate. Insane here, hit it. Um, what a different time. You know, in a weird way, because the only games that they're showing are wins. Right. And it kind of, I don't know. It's like I understand the reasoning behind that decision, but at the same time, it kind of, I don't know, it, it takes some of the, I don't want to say stakes out because there are no stakes, but it's just, I feel like if they would include some losses in there, it would make things a little more interesting, add a little more variety. Cause it's like when I, I can't remember the result of every single game from 2005. So if I sit down to rewatch it and I don't know the outcome, or at least not remember that game specific outcome, I think that would add a little more interest into it as far as getting me to pay attention. Whereas when I know they're going to win, it's like, okay. So like in the moment that provides more, um, excitement to you, but if you watched the whole game and they lost, how do you feel in the wake of having spent like two hours watching a fifteen-year-old like three to two loss to the Royals? I've watched what like three hundred of them the last three years. <laughs> yeah, but at least you entered into it with the possibility, whereas you were watching like a a foregone conclusion and did just didn't realize it. Uh, I guess I-, I guess some of the current games would qualify as that. Yeah, no, I just I think that you know if if they make they don't have to show them all, but if they mixed a few in, just like close losses or exciting losses or whatever, just you know to add because it's like, all right, they win, and like especially like the games where they're winning like ten to two, it's just like, okay, well, it's more fun when you win ten to two when it's live than it is when it's you know fifteen years later because it's like okay here we go this is going to get kind of just pointless after a while it's like playing in the irish league on fifa oh no we're, we're leaking into later parts of the show already damn it yeah i've 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 i have a surprise for you when that when that comes up though oh my god now i just want to skip right to it fuck the first two <laughs> segments on the rundown you want to you want to start with it and then we'll get to the rest of the show no let's hold it okay fine jesus what a tease uh I guess we'll start with the big news since we last recorded. Aloy Jimenez, who is part of the We Are Not so Playing campaign. So big, I didn't write it up. Yeah. He is part of the We Are Not Playing campaign, which you went to the press conference for earlier this week, and we discussed on the last episode. But he did a tele- teleconference, I'm assuming. Conference call. Conference call. 
And, you know, he was talking about the campaign, but he also said that, you know, here's the quote when he was asked about the floated plane. He was less plane. talking about anything as much as he was being prodded and occasionally spitting out answers. But yes, you know, which, it, wasn't, it wasn't like the most uh, energetic alloy I've ever experienced in my life. Which I will get to something similar to that topic later in the show as well. But he was asked when he was asked about the Arizona plan that we discussed in the last episode, he said, I just want to play baseball. If they decide to play here in Arizona, because that's where he is, I'm going to enjoy it. But we want to play normal regular season, like travel and all that, and play for our city. And then he also went on to say it's going to be hard because you're going to be away from your family. And 100 degrees is really hot to play it. But if that's the plan, I'm going to do it. I just want to play. Now, that's that's the way he feels about it, obviously. But he's not, you know, he's it's not 100% support from players particularly because of the whole idea of being away from your family for four and a half, five, six months. But for somebody like Eloy Jimenez, you're already away from your family and sequestered yeah, away I, from I, I feel like the Dominican players and the Venezuelan players and the Cuban players are going to have, like, Eloy's, like, reaction was very much like, yeah, you know, it's not great, but all right. Like, he's been through that before and pretty recently. Like, the idea of being away from your family in four and a half months um, and basically only be able to go to the park and home and not really be allowed anywhere else or being comfortable going anywhere else. That's like the low A, you know, Dominican player experience, uh, like to a T. Like Luis Robert mm-hmm. went nine months. Like he, his girlfriend got pregnant. He came to spring training in January. His visa did not allow him to return home. And he stayed for the entire season. He was hurt, and because they wanted to make up time, he stayed for the Arizona Fall League. His daughter was born, and he did not see her until he was done with Arizona Fall League. And I think not even a couple months after that. Like, these dudes have already been to this type of shit. So I understand, like, by all means, it's, like, very absurd, like, circumstances. And and as a organized union the players should probably like they have every right and definitely have uh all the reason to point this out is like this is like very absurd circumstances being put in like this is a, a serious consideration for us to make but uh there's definitely some like gaps in privilege being displayed by like the american players are like I, I can't imagine doing this this is ridiculous and some of the other guys are like yeah i've had to do that extremely recently yeah i know for for some of these guys it's you know, like for, if you're a lawyer and you're already away from your family, you kind of want to be with the baseball team because they kind of become your surrogate family. Because in a way, you've been quarantined your whole career <laughs> in in some aspects. So, yeah, but there are there are some players who are for it, and there are some who aren't. You know, Andy McCullough wrote a thing on the Athletic, which talked to players that you know some were for, some were against. Alex Wood. Not really a big fan of it because, you know, he he wrote or he said, I personally don't think that everyone would go for it. I think the plan is a possibility if we know for certain that that's the only way we can play baseball. Does that make sense? I don't have kids or anything like that. I'm down for whatever. I just want to play ball. But then there's Zach Wheeler, who infamously among White Sox fans, you know. him, Him and his infamous family. Yeah. One of the reasons he chose Philadelphia over the White Sox was because his closer to his wife's family. So clearly 
family is something that is important to him. He said, I, you know, his wife who is pregnant and expecting her first child in July, he said, I couldn't even imagine missing the birth and just not being around and going, hey, I'll see you in December or whatever that is. I'm, that's not going to work. Chris Sale, who has three kids, who is going to miss the season anyway, said, I don't know if I could look at my kids just through a screen for four or five months. That same thing goes for my wife not being able to be around her. That's a long time, but people have done it in harsh scenarios, I guess. Then there are some players who are, you know, down with it. Cole Hamels. I think we should do anything we can to get baseball back and into focus for the fans in the world. Sports helps give people entertainment, something to look forward to they can, so they can get through tough times. Marcus Simeon seemed to be, be behind the idea. Nolan Arenado said if the doctors are cool with it, he's cool with it. So it's a situation where not unexpectedly, as is often the case when it comes to baseball, labor relations, and all these kinds of things, Some of the players are for it, some of them are against it, and in the end, none of it's going to matter because it's not going to work, James. We talked about this on the last episode. There's absolutely no way in hell this idea works. There are problems with it, but what I'm hearing is that it's it's not. They weren't just putting it out there as like a trial balloon through Jeff Hassan. Like it would. There's there's really there. There's real momentum from the league to try to do this, and I think they're going to try something very urgently. It's not. It's not going to work. Yeah, I, I, they're going to run into a million hangups, and I don't know if they're just going to power through them or ignore them or what, but you know that line in Jurassic Park where the, the guy says, life finds a way? Yeah. Money finds a way. Like, there's so many billions of dollars like riding on it. They're going there's, to force something through, maybe not entirely. It, there's another advised. line in Jurassic Park that applies here. Nature? <laughs> like takes its No, status, it's like, that you only thought about if you could and not whether you should. <laughs> Yeah, but that happens after they do it. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe we should take uh takes take heed from a doctor like Ian Malcolm. I mean, if there's anybody we should be listening to right now, it is it's it's a doctor and a chaos theory expert. Like I, I really do hope that when baseball returns, there is just some guy in the booth who's just rambling about chaos theory in a worried tone the entire time in the middle of Jason Benetti calling the uh, game. Uh, I don't I don't really have a Jeff Goldblum impression. <laughs> It involves a lot of stuttery type gaps in speaking and inflections. Jimenez and Mazzara and two outfield corners. I mean, you thought you're you're courting disaster. You thought about whether whether you could, but you never you never asked whether you should. So, yeah. Even in the drum sounds busted these days. I know. It's like, I Cam, I, what's going on with your stuff over there, buddy? Silence. Eat my Thank ass. you, Cam. Thank you. I love when you ask Cam a question and you just get silence. That's that's good production work. I just For, assume he's dead every time. Well, we have moved to a different recording method, which I'm not going to name because, you know, they're not paying us to. But Cam did mention to me that there's a bit of a delay in his drops now because of it. And now that he mentioned it to me, I will never not notice. So thanks for that. I mean, now our listeners will never not notice. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they can take write their complaints to at commentator Cam on Twitter and say, Cam, go back to the old thing you used to use. When the, I mean, when, we we could get out his email address too, or his phone number. I'm not going to give out his phone number. I will sign him up for things on the internet with his email, though. <laughs> I uh, I once emailed Marco's Pizza and told him that Mark Primiano uh, was interested in starting a franchise. 
What a dick. They contacted him for many months. <laughs> Did he ever start the franchise? I mean, maybe n- now would be a perfect time for him to do it. I mean, nobody needs pizza more than they do right now. I don't know. <sighs> it doesn't seem like a great market for restaurants, but I don't know. Why not? I mean, I feel it's like a, this, It's a market inefficiency. Everyone's this getting is out. The kind of, I know. Everybody's like shutting their restaurants. I think that, you know, I, I always feel like sometimes in, in business and in gambling and all that kind of stuff, it's good to be a contrarian. So I feel like going, that's another uh, Jeff Goldblum line for like independence. So it's, everyone, everyone's getting every, out. Why, why are everyone, we the only ones trying to get in? Everyone thought that they they should get out, but they, they never... They never asked whether they should get in. <laughs> All right. We're like 16 minutes in. We're doing a great fucking job. <laughs> we just need to do more really bad. Jeff Goldblum yeah. I mean, we're, we're calling them Jeff Goldblum impersonations, but they're really, they're really not. They're just us using a voice that. Yeah. <laughs> they're us using a funny voice and then saying it's Jeff Goldblum saying it. Uh, you know what we're going to do now? Uh, yes, from I read the rundown. We're gonna we're gonna play everybody's favorite game, Jeff Goldblum's favorite game, Tenty Questions. Now, a little bit of hint. I really wanted to, and I was trying to think of what player. Kitchen Tenties. <laughs> for what I was trying to think of, which player I was going to do for this one, I was going to try to trigger you mm. because Kevin Fishman. Oh, right. Yeah, you guys wrote. Uh, you know. Your favorite player profiles, the athletics doing that right now. Go read them. They're all great. And Fishbane oh. wrote, oh, they're all great. Go read them right now. In <laughs> fact, odds. hold on, James, we'll pause for a good three and a half hours. We'll let you go read and then come back and we'll still be here. Okay. All right. Welcome back. Now, oh, Fish- am I tired? <laughs> Fishbane wrote about Mark Burley. And I wanted to bring this up because the, like, the lead. Or like the whatever you want to call it for Fishbane's article was that it was hipster to be a Burley fan. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, granted, he clarifies. I he like, clarifies. I he clarifies in his column that unless you're a White Sox fan, but the the lead is that it felt hipster to be a Burley fan, and I'm like, really? Because I went to a White Sox game, eighty five percent of the jerseys I saw were Burley. Well, also, like, it's everyone's conception of, like, the under-the-radar dude. Like, this is, this is, this is like, oh, the Strokes are my favorite independent, like, record label band. Like, eh, that, that's what everyone's on. Like, congrats, you don't listen to Coldplay. Like, it, it's very, like... I will say, I know more Coldplay songs than I know Stroke songs. I almost feel like more baseball dudes like the guy who doesn't throw hard than the opposite. Like, yes... Yeah, it reminds like, me literally of guys who throw hard get scouted because it's raw athletic ability that you can't, uh, you know, replicate. But uh, at the risk of triggering myself into my own rant from the last podcast again, um, Burley had two skills that are also like basically, if not impossible to improve, uh, as hard to improve as adding velocity to a dude. Like you, you can't hope to get a guy up to elite command you can hope to maybe raise his command a grade or two but um and, and change up is like the ultimate field pitch where if a guy just doesn't like his arm action doesn't allow for it, it it's just never going to be great like michael kopech is never going to throw a great change up like it's, it's not going to happen and it's not because he doesn't work hard 
It's just like his delivery, his feel for it. It's just, it's, it's never going to get beyond like, maybe he can get taught a grip or becomes like above average, but he's never going to have Mark Rose change up as like, it's just some things are a little bit innate. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was yelling at Permiano about it earlier today. I don't know why this is such a Permiano heavy podcast. Yeah. I saw there was a tweet that included the words, bring a mask, bitch. But (laughs) (laughs) anyways, before we get into the game, a reminder for you and our listeners that the, you're allowed to ask me 10 questions to try to figure out the mystery former White Sox player. And you have that many questions, and then you have to guess, see if you get it. If you win, you're amazing. If you don't, you're just an idiot. And to be clear, the kind of questions you can ask, you can't ask a specific question like, how many hits did he have? Or you know something like that. But you can ask a more general question was like, was he a player who got more out of the spirit or more out of the sum of his parts like Mark Burley? I thought it was yes or no's. No, it's not. It doesn't have it kind of. Yeah. Well, if you asked me, is he a player that got by nothing but cunning and guile with no talent like Mark Burley? I could God say yes. Damn or no. it. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So most of them are yes or no questions, but you just can't ask like super specific questions. You, they don't have to be yes or no. They could be more general questions. All right. I'm mad at myself because you triggered me into cursing. Some nice commenter asked me to curse less on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Well, fuck that guy. <laughs> well, he put it really sweetly, and he wanted his kid to listen more. But, oh, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, his kid is like 13, so I think he'll be cursing. He probably curses more than he realizes. If you are listening, I'm sorry for the curses I've already dropped in this episode, but when we get to the shout-outs portion of the show, you're probably going to want to turn it off <laughs> because there's probably going to be some cursing. But anyways, James, so uh, oh, let's, yeah, I can see. <laughs> let's get started. What's your first question? Um, pitcher hitter, I guess. Hitter. Mm, have they played in the last ten years? No. Uh, did they ever make the All Star team? Yes. Um, infield or outfield? Outfield. Mostly. Mostly. <clears throat> here's here's a little hint. He never played the infield. Hmm. Hmm. Six um, questions left. Were they on a White Sox playoff team? Yes. Five questions left. Did they hit over 30 home runs in a season? With the White Sox or in their career? With, hmm, hmm. Let's say uh, with the White Sox. No, four questions left. (laughs) (laughs) Did they, uh, so they're, were they, uh, no, hold on. The guy doesn't want you cursing, but he can go <laughs> into the microphone. That's just fine. <laughs> yeah, this 13 year old probably does that. Um, let's see. Uh, how, how were they acquired? Uh, specifically, who are they traded for? <laughs> here's, here's the thing that could give it away they were acquired in a trade. Pause. Twice. Three questions left. 
Hmm. So it's Carl Everett. Yep, there you go. Boom, look at you. You're very good at this. I don't know. Once it was required to trade twice, it was either Everett or Alomar for me, and then he mentioned that he didn't play the infield, so... Well, you know, it's it's and funny. And once you said like he didn't play the infield, I, I knew I was choosing between uh, someone who played outfield and um, DH'd. So I was just trying to think of that. You know, it's it's funny because as I was figuring out, and I decided on Carl Everett, and I was looking at things up. I I forgot he, they were traded for him twice. In my memory, it was they traded for him in two thousand and three originally. And then he just was with the team through 2005. I forgot he became a free agent after that 2003 season, went to the Expos, and then a few months later was traded by the Expos back to the White Sox. Yeah, they they really try to kick guys on their own terms, right? <laughs> by the way, Carl Everett was very good for the White Sox in that short half season in 2003. A lot better than he was the other two times. <laughs> Exactly. In his 73 games in 2003, he hit 301 with a 377 on base, 473 slugging, had only 10 home runs and 41 RBIs. But in those 73 games, he was worth two war, which is, let's see, do some quick math. 1.9 war more than he was worth for the rest of his tenure with the White Sox. He played a ton of center field in 03, too, which is hard to imagine in 05. Yeah, that was that was how many games did he play at center in two thousand and three? Over sixty. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I don't know how many of them were with the White Sox exactly, but sixty three starts. Yeah! Wow! <laughs> wow! That that fell off a cliff quickly because he went from a center fielder to now you're just a DH, bro, in like two seasons. Yeah. And yeah, he wasn't particularly a in two thousand and five. The team that won the World Series, which is one of the reasons why I picked him, was because you know, as we mentioned, they're replaying the two thousand and five season. But he wasn't very good that year. Ribbies, baby. He did have RBIs. You got to give him that. But he had an OPS plus at ninety four, and he was worth B WAR. He was worth zero point zero B WAR. So he was a replacement player. That's what they needed. Who was bad in cleanup for like a long time. <laughs> Which is also just kind of goes to like an indicator of that offense in 2005. It wasn't a great offense. It was just good enough. All right. Well, congratulations again, James. You are now 2-0. and I, I feel like you handed it to me a little bit there. Yeah, I, prob- I, I felt like I was at a very good chance of giving it away, but there was also a chance that, like I said, I had forgotten they did it twice as much as it was. I, I thought he was with them for three seasons or two and a half seasons. So I thought maybe there was a chance you could do it. Carl Everett in 05 hit 317, 371, 529 with men on base. Clutch as fart. I was going to say a different words. 197, 258, 357 with the bases empty. So in other words, he was swinging for the downs with the bases empty. And when runners were on, he was trying to, you know, get a hit. Ribbies. Yeah. He was Jose Abreu in it. Yeah. To a... Uh... To a very extreme degree. All right. Well, let's let's move on to everybody's favorite segment. The latest on young Tiago Fegan James. Has Tiago submitted a transfer request yet? All right. So I submitted one after the first game of the month, and I got a response. Was this January? Yeah. Okay. And I got I got turned down. My manager said, eat shit. 
<laughs> You're stuck here forever. Um, I sulked a while. Um, I played some games drunk. <laughs> Not really to any like worse results, if anything. Um, and but it was fine. We kept winning. Um, after like three games, I submitted another one. Because I submitted my first one at the beginning of the month, and it's a month-long transfer window. And it was kind of weird because it was like only a week left. And I played another game, and I got a response afterwards. It said, "You know, we received your request. We'll we'll look to see if there's some suitable offers. We'll let you know." And you know, I don't hear back for a while. I'm kind of nervous because like the the last there's a game on the last day of the window, and so I play the game. Not super well. Like I had like a nine match rating, but I didn't score because I just I think I fired like eight shots right into the goalie's gut and and an assist. We won easily. Derry City sucks. Whatever. And uh, afterwards, I get an email saying, "Well, it's like ten hours left, and you can sim like one hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. seven hours left. I have an offer, um, or they have an offer, and they say they have accepted it. If I want to go, it's who's it to? Besiktas." Football team, JK. Oh, Besiktas. Which is a top top Turkish league, is what I gather. Yeah. No, it's... I, here's the thing. If you go to Besiktas, all right, you will be playing in the Turkish Turkish Super League. You will be playing on what, the... What's the political situation in Turkey right now? It's great for the Irish. You'll be fine. It is, <laughs> it is the second best team in the league for the most part although it's not far behind Galatasaray. But here's the thing. You will be playing a lot of inferior-ish competition, although there will be Great. Much, I love there, it. <laughs> there also will be much better teams that you have to deal with than you've dealt with in Ireland. But you will probably get European play out of it because at a minimum, Besiktas will probably be going to the Europa League, but you also have a chance to get to the Champions League. Really? Yeah, because the winner of the league goes to the Champions League. So if you could lead Besiktas to a Super League title, you'd be competing with Galatasaray, Fenerbahce. I think I'm pronouncing these correctly. I might not be. Basak, Shahir, Trabzonspor. These are all the top whatever teams in the league. So these are going to be your biggest, you know, competitors. So, I mean, well, how many? How much time is left in the in the... I got seven hours left in the transfer window. I have the option of accept, deny the offer, or stall. <laughs> uh, I mean... They want to pay me $15,000 a week. Yeah. I'm currently making $565 a week. Yeah, see, this is... It's going to be hard. It's, does it matter to you if you're in, like, England or, like, a major league? No, not really. I was looking to maybe probably take more incremental step up and see where I'm at. And, and this could be good because well. because this I think that this could be a good move for you then because if you do go there, like I said, it's a step up in competition for sure. Like the worst team in this league is probably better than any team in the Irish League. Yeah, like I don't want to go and play for Liverpool tomorrow. I yeah. feel like well, I'd you wouldn't. They, get they would humiliated. <laughs> yeah, but I think that the step up in competition will be good for you, and the fact that you're on a very good team will allow you, you know, so it's like, yes, you're playing tougher teams, but you're going to have better players around you. And then the fact that you could get to the Champions League, you could get to the Europa League, which if you're able to play well there, it's just going to raise your profile even more, might bring in some of the bigger teams in the long run. So if if you want to wait and stall, see if a bigger offer comes around, 
that's cool. I won't blame you. But as your agent, I would advise you accept the move. Just right ahead? Like, go. Like, what happens if I stall? Uh, if you stall, you you would be waiting to see if another offer comes. But they might pull the offer back because, again, there's only seven hours left. Yeah. And plus, do you like do you like the colors white and black? I love them. Those are these. Those are the color They're uniforms you'd be wearing. Yeah. Only those. only good teams wear those colors. Mm-hmm. Those are the color of uniforms you would be wearing. Right now, we play. We are some like goofy like light blue, gray, and black thing with like O'Neills.com on the top on my chest and whatever. And sh- what's your overall rating? Uh, I'm a 75 or 76. All right. Well, if you go, they have a striker who is currently a 79, but he's 34 years old. Is that Boateng? No, it is Barack Yilmaz. Yeah, I'm. I turned 16 last month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Boateng is there, but he's on loan. Uh, so now they do play the same kind of formation, somewhat that you're already in. They play a oh, four, shit. <laughs> they play a four-one-four-one, but they get a little wider on the wing. So you know they'll still be sending crosses in for you and all that kind of stuff. Would but I still will, be like up top, or would I be? Would they put oh, me yeah. on the side? You'll be up top. Mm. I mean, I guess I've gotten used to it. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes we have to accept our roles. Apparently all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, you're going to, you got to do what you got to do for a little while. Prove to yourself that you could do it there and prove to everybody else you could do it there. And then you'll have a little more, you know, leeway into where you can go. I mean, I guess if I was on the wing, I'd be responsible for like doing more crosses. And I have to say I'm quite bad at that. (laughs) Well, spend some time training, working on it. Like for, I ideally I'd like to I love running away from people, but I'm not really good at it. Like my my one bankable skill is just kind of like darting around the box and getting open and smashing stuff home. I, I think you could excel at Basictus doing that. Again, it's your call. I think you should do it. Um does does Tiago like start wearing like gold chains if he starts making fifteen thousand dollars a week? <laughs> Tiago can do whatever the hell he wants if he's making $15,000 a week. I mean, you know, I'm not going to tell him how to live his life. You're his father, not me. I'm just his agent. But he's going to be making seven hundred eighty grand a year before taxes. I just think he'll start, like, buying, like, designer brand edibles to pop during games and <laughs> lose his focus. As his absentee father, do you regret not being there now that your son's going to be nearly making a million dollars a year at 16? Uh. Yeah, just because like it's been harder to convince them to uh, you know pay off my car note and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, you got there's plenty of time to repair that bond. Texts go unanswered because he's like you know hung over off tequila at two two p.m. on like random Wednesdays and whatnot. But but that's, that's just that's just life in Ireland, you know, all the tequila that they drink in Ireland all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Huge tequila country that Ireland. He's he's blowing his five sixty five a week, uh, you know, getting it imported. All right. Well, I really look forward to finding out what Tiago did on next Monday's episode. Or, yeah, Monday. What I don't days don't mean anything to me anymore. Hopefully, you know. Again, it's your call. I I advise taking it, but if you want to wait to see if something better comes along, you know, you just ask me what I think when it comes, and I will be happy to advise you. What about sticking around and winning a title for UCD? Who the fuck cares about the <laughs> airtricity title? I mean, it's all I've been working for for the last like six months. Would you, you rather to- be in the Champions League or the 
the win the Irish second division crown. Think about like how chill it is for Tiago going out in Dublin. He probably doesn't get carded. You can he can he could he's got the pick of the lasses. Think about how much fun a sixteen year old could have in Turkey. Uh, I don't know. I might want to lay low. <laughs> I I don't know. Never been. Uh, I feel like Erdogan is probably watching me a little too closely. <laughs> uh, I would do it, but again, it's your call. All right, let's let's move on to shout outs. I have a special shout out today, which is kind of more of a little rant, but my shout out today is to dumb people asking other people the wrong questions and then those people giving dumb answers so we can all call them dumb. Now, uh, I'm right here. You don't need to talk about me like I'm not here. I'm talking about you in an indirect way, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about us. Now, I, I'm, I'm delving into my other job a little bit here, okay? But on, on Tuesday, Oklahoma State football coach Mike Gundy and listener, if your kid's in the car, cover his ears. He said some dumbass shit about what he'd like to do with his players and basically how he thinks it'd be fine to quarantine his players so they could practice and play because they're young and blah, blah, blah. They aren't as likely to die from the coronavirus. And he said a whole bunch of stupid shit, okay? And he then got dunked on repeatedly on Twitter by everybody. Late last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, because again, I don't fucking know all the days and all the stupidity just is blending together for me right now. Clemson's coach, Dabo Swinney, also said some dumb fucking things when asked about how he and his team are handling the current situation. He was then dunked on. I'm not here to defend the dumb shit either of them said. Or that, Sounds like you are. No, I'm not. I'm not here to defend the dumb shit they've said or that anybody else has said. I'm just here to ask if we can all collectively agree to stop asking unqualified people questions about things that even the experts don't have a firm grasp on. Why the fuck do we need to ask a football coach or an athlete what they think about the coronavirus? What the fuck are they going to tell us? They're either going to give us a boilerplate, nothing answer, or they're going to say something stupid. So, Wouldn't you want a coach to at least like reflect on what, how they're approaching it with their job? You can ask them how they're approaching it with their job. That's fine. I'm saying don't ask them what they think about solving the coronavirus or whether they think it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Because it, it, when you ask, when you frame a question a certain way, you're hunting for an answer. You're Are quote unquote all? leading the witness. So I, I, I get, I, I get, I'm getting annoyed with colleagues who I feel like at times are just hoping to get a headline out of something. And this is a fucking... It's a desperate time. This, yeah, but at the same time, this is not the kind of situation I feel like we should be looking for clickbait headlines. Now, mm. as for the coaches like Gundy and Swinney, and anybody else who's unqualified to answer the questions, who will no doubt continue being asked these questions in the coming weeks, they are not absolved of the blame here. You don't have to answer. You could just say three simple words. I don't know. There's no shame in admitting it. In fact, there's probably more honor. I mean, for fuck's sake, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the guy the entire country seems to turn to as the quote-unquote coronavirus expert right now, makes sure to say he's not entirely sure when he answers a question about predicting what's going to happen. So if that guy can say, I'm not sure, 
I think it's safe for Mike Gundy to say, fuck if I know. I mean, Liverpool manager, James, your, your, your dream team, the team you want to be on more than anything in your life, the guy you're hoping looks your way and sends you a transfer off. I'm, I'm Klopp, scared of playing against qualified players. But even Jurgen Klopp, way back in February, after a Liverpool loss, was asked about, because this was at the, you know, when, before this coronavirus became what it was, where it was just a China thing. And, you know, but there were teams thinking we should play in empty stadiums. He was asked whether or not Liverpool and other teams should be playing in empty stadiums. And he basically answered with, what the fuck are you asking me for? I'm a soccer coach. (laughs) And he went on a little rant about like, how about you ask the people who are qualified instead of asking me? I coach soccer. I'll do whatever the fuck the doctors and the experts tell me to do. This is a dumb question. Amazingly, he didn't die. The world kept spinning. And the next reporter asked him a question about his job. So this is just a long-winded way of me trying to tell anybody listening out there that sometimes the smartest thing any of us can say is, I don't know, so maybe let's try to say it a little more often. James, who is your shout-out for? Caught by surprise again. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Danny Farco was really nice about me writing about uh, him nearly dying yesterday. So, and like... Posted my article on Instagram. Um, he's still not a subscriber, but I don't know. My, <laughs> my, my shout out to him would be for being exceptionally kind, as he has been for three years running now, um, which is what I kind of wrote about how how helpful he was and why uh, I, I, he was my favorite dude even before you know any of this, any of this stuff happened to him, just because of uh, how generous he was with his insight and. You know, it seems every every well spoken player, like especially like you know Lucas Giolito and Michael Kopech, are are great interviews. And I think anybody who's like insightful, and not not to say that it can't be, but anybody who's insightful is painted as like, well, that guy's a future coach. I think it's probably should be less surprising that Farquhar is is a coach right now because it's it's less so the fact that he was intelligent about the game and and knew about pitching, but that he just had this kind of. Um, this urge he couldn't really even stop to explain to people that he wanted people to be more informed. There's just kind of a natural instinct that he wanted to um, help me out and help like bridge my understanding even more than he wanted to give me like spicy details or, or, or uh, great quotes or anything. He just wanted to explain the game to people. So the fact that he's a coach, you know, it, it makes even more sense than even just like your typical player um, who's a good interviewer is insightful about his own process. Um, there, there's there are a lot of guys in the White Sox clubhouse that I find extremely helpful as a interview subject, but maybe not necessarily the guy who's going to become that coach. But Danny is. Sounds like you found your new Steelwalker. Steel is more insightful about his um his unique mindset than uh <laughs> than necessarily the, the the mechanics of the game. But you know he's also 22, so that could come. I almost. Fun fun fact, I almost wrote Danny Farquhar as your shout-out in the rundown today, just to try to make sure you didn't shout-out another one of your fucking UCD teammates. <laughs> um, you know, if you want me to, <laughs> I will miss Richie O'Donnell. I've been setting up for uh, for goals. Um, like, man, he comes in, he gets subbed in for Lee and Kerrigan at the 55th minute all the time, and he just comes in... He comes in shooting, and he's been a big boost, and hopefully he can lead the offense all by himself when I leave. It's it's, it's his team now. Uh, thank you, oh, everybody. probably get the start. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, either you know, give us a five-star rating on Apple or tell, some, tell a friend. 
In fact, do both. Why not? And uh, we will be back next week to find out whether or not Tiago Fegan accepted the offer to Besiktas and anything else that might have happened. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 o